In session one, we introduced the concept that the world misunderstands humility. Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest man who ever lived, yet he was the most humble man who ever lived on the face of the planet. And the reason why is because the center mistake of arrogance is taking credit for that which isn't mine. In that session, we discussed Joe, the crane operator, that I operate this mighty crane. This crane lifts heavy loads all day long, tons and tons of stuff. The crane is mighty, but Joe is the little crane operator. He's the guy inside who makes the levers move. That's me. I was created in the image of Hashem, given great talents, great capacities. So how much credit is due to me? The answer is very little. I'm Joe, the crane operator. I'm the guy inside who moves the levers. This crane is mighty. It does tremendous things. Moshe Rabbeinu understood that he was gifted with the greatest mission in creation. He was gifted with tremendous capacities, and he was placed at the center of the universe. And yet he also recognized that everything was a present from Hashem, everything was granted from him, to him, and because of that there was no arrogance. We also discussed in a later session the fact that arrogance and humility are mirror opposites one of the other. And that the nature of man's heart is lozuch ulis nase. The Mishra Sham explains to us, the nature of man's heart is to be proud and overbearing, and the reason for that is, is because within me there is an ashama that strives for greatness, that strives to accomplish, to be someone great, to do great things, and unfortunately we typically misdirect that voice. Instead of listening to it and really growing in major ways, Typically what we do is either we misdirect by saying, I am great. What do you mean I'm not great? Look at who I am. Look how important I am. Look how chashev I am. Or the opposite, we deflate. You're right, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. Both of those are misdirected greatness of man. Either the inflated personality or the deflated one. The correct approach is to use that inner sense to grow and accomplish and to remain ever humble. And the next session we discuss the fact that the ultimate cure for arrogance is to understand not just where it comes from, but the pathology, how it works. If I have a lot, a lot of money, that doesn't mean I'm arrogant. If I have tremendous talents, it doesn't mean I'm arrogant. It's when I take credit for it, when I take credit for it and I become the rich man. I'm not the same as you. I'm not a regular person. I'm different than you. I'm talented. I'm smart. I'm capable, I'm intelligent, I'm above you. When I and the attribute meld, I become the rich man, I become the talented person, and that sense brings me to arrogance. And the ultimate cure to all arrogance is the understanding that the current situation will change. I might be rich now, my money won't last forever. I might be young and healthy now, that won't last forever. I may have a beautiful voice, that will pass. Not only is it all talent on loan from God, the current situation will change. When I understand that, it's much more difficult to be arrogant, and humility becomes the much more natural state. In this session, what I'd like to deal with is another aspect to humility, and to underscore the fact that it is not just the cornerstone of all good character traits, but that it's actually the cornerstone of all Avodah Hashem. And to do that, let's focus on a very interesting Pasuk in Vayikra. The Pasuk says, The coin should wear very plain linen clothing, pants made of bad, 
With these clothing, he does one of the important avodas in the base of Mikdash. He takes the deshen, the ashes from the Mizbeach. There was a constant fire on the Mizbeach, and the various kabonas were brought, and whatever was left was burnt on the on this fire. In the morning, there were ashes left over. Every day, the Kohen would go there, take the ashes, remove them, and this was a major part of the avoda. But the Chavos of Ovis explained something very interesting. This mitzvah was given to Aaron Cohen Daily, Aaron Cohen was instructed to go to the Mizbeach in the morning, take the desh and take the remaining ashes from the fire, from the carbon that were brought, <coughs> bring them out. That was part of his avoda. Explains the Chavos of Ovis, why was Aaron Cohen given that mission? to lower himself and to remove the arrogance from his heart. For 40 years, day after day, every day, Aaron Akoin took out the ashes, if you excuse my expression, took out the garbage, so to speak. Why? To lower himself, to remove the arrogance from his heart. Now, if you think about this statement of the Chavos of Ovos, it's very difficult to understand. Because of all human beings ever to walk the planet... Aaron Cohen doesn't sound like an arrogant person. Aaron Cohen was the Cohen Guttel. Aaron Cohen had the ultimately pure heart. If you'd like to understand how pure a heart he had, let's focus on one simple reality. Moshe Rabbeinu, at the age of 20, was the heir apparent. He was brought up in the house of Paro, and to all known people, he was to be the next Paro. Very quickly, when he killed Mitzri, Paro judged him as a rebellious person, and Moshe Rabbeinu at the age of 20 ran away to Midian. His older brother Aaron was effectively the son of the Gadolador, and from that point on, the Shlichus of Hashem was brought to the Klayasol from Aaron. Aaron was the Medaber, Aaron was the spokesman. Hashem spoke to the Jewish nation through Aaron. At the age of 80, Hashem appears to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, I want you to redeem the Jewish nation. I want you to go into Mitzrayim, I want you to take the Jewish people out, and Moshe Rabbeinu flatly refused. Hashem said, no, I want you to do it. Moshe refused. Day after day, for seven days, the conversation in the snare, when that fire was burning in that bush, it was a seven-day-long conversation during which Hashem was trying to convince Moshe Rabbeinu to take on the leadership role to take the Jewish nation out of Mitzrayim. And in the end, finally, after seven days, Hashem became, if it could be, angry with Moshe Rabbeinu and sort of made him take the position. But why was Moshe Rabbeinu resistant? Certainly he didn't want the honor, and certainly he didn't want the covet involved, but it's very clear from Rashi that the reason why he didn't want this position was because he would be usurping his brother's position. Aaron was the leader of the Jewish nation. Aaron was the shliach of Hashem. Now his younger brother Moshe, three years younger, was going to take that position of leadership. Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid of hurting his brother's feelings and didn't want to do it. Finally, after seven days of discussion back and forth, Hashem says to him, Hey, you're going to go to Mitzrayim. Aaron is going to come out to greet you. He's going to see you, and there's going to be joy in his heart. And in fact, Rashi explains that's what happened. Moshe Rabbeinu does go on the shlichus. Aaron comes out to meet him. And when Moshe tells Aaron that Hashem appointed him to be the leader to take the Jewish nation out of Mitzrayim, Aaron had joy in his heart overjoyed, abundance of joy for the great position that his brother was given. That is beautiful, beautiful midos. That is a clear demonstration of humility. It's hard to imagine a more humble person, 
hard to imagine a more pure tzaddik. Because of that act, Aaron Cohen got to wear the Urim Vatumim on his heart. Such a pure heart should wear the Urim Vatumim, be the emissary of Hashem. So why then does the Chavazola say that Hashem gave this mitzvah to Aaron, to make his heart humble, to remove the arrogance from his heart of any human being on the face of the planet? Surely Aaron Cohen did not suffer arrogance. Why then did he have to take out the Deshen every day? And why did he have to lower his heart? And to understand the answer to this question, we need to understand that humility is the cornerstone of Avodah Hashem. And to really illustrate this point, let me share with you an interesting observation. The Smag, the Sefer Mitzvah Gdolos, when he writes all the mitzvahs, he writes in one mitzvah a very interesting observation. He says that he'd finished all of the Losasays, and when he had finished all the Losasays, that night he had a dream. And in the dream came to him a voice that said, you've forgotten the main one. You've forgotten the main one. What's the main say that you forgot? You forgot his shamalacha pentishkacha shamalakecha. Do not become arrogant. Didn't the Pasuk say, v'ram levavecha, you'll have arrogance in your heart and you'll forget Hashem? You forgot the main one? The Smog writes, in the morning he woke up and he realized it's true. He often taught that Pasuk, he often discussed it, but he didn't realize it was actually a losasei. He went back through the Gemaras, went back through the Sugya, he realized he made a mistake, and he put it into the losaseis, and that is the 64th losasei. Guard yourself, lest you forget Hashem your guard. And the Chavetz Chaim in Machan brings this as a losasei. He says if someone has arrogance in his heart, he violates this losasei, and again he quotes this smog. But let's analyze carefully what the smog is saying. You see, the psukim are very clear. Pentocha, lest you'll eat. Visavata, and you'll be satisfied. Ubatim tovos, tivneviyashafta. You'll build beautiful homes. Ubekarcha veksoncha yubuyan. He'll have much cattle, much flock. Vikesev izav yirbilcha. You'll have gold and silver. Vikol leshelcha yarbe. Everything that you have will increase. And then the Pesach says... V'ram levavecha, your heart will become haughty. V'shachach des Hashem lakecha, and you will forget Hashem, your God. This pasuk, the losasei of not being arrogance, is <clears throat> guard yourself from arrogance because you will forget Hashem. Now let's ask the obvious question. I understand that arrogance is wrong. I get it. Don't work on it. Don't 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 be arrogant. Work on humility. I got it. But why does the pasuk say? Don't be arrogant because instantly, automatically, you'll forget Hashem. Why is it true? Why can't I have arrogance in my heart and not forget Hashem? In fact, the Aruch HaZadikim says, It's a reality. One who is arrogant will forget his Creator. Why is it true? And if you like to focus on this question, let's really understand this. Imagine I'm arrogant. I'm great. I'm really great. I am really, really great. I mean, I'm the greatest of the greatest, the best of the best. Okay, but look, I'm not the creator of the heavens and the earth. I, I'm the greatest human being who ever lived, but God's still greater than me. I didn't make the sun, the moon, and the stars, right? So why does it automatically going to follow that if I have arrogance in my heart, I'm going to forget Hashem? I'm arrogant, I'm big, I'm boastful, I'm very important, but God's even greater. I'm great, but God's even greater. Why is that such a contradiction? Why is it that I can't have arrogance in my heart and not help but to forget Hashem. Why does arrogance lead me automatically to forget Hashem?
And to answer that, we have to understand that there are two elements of arrogance that makes us automatically forget Hashem. The first one, let me focus on with an example. Imagine you hear about this nice man from Muncie, Rabbi Schaefer. I hear every Friday he goes to this almana, to this widow's house, and he helps her. He helps her shop. He helps her clean. I heard he's even on, on, on his knees scrubbing the floors. What a great tzaddik. You're very impressed. Until you hear that this widow has an estate worth $25 million and no living heirs. Oh, big tzaddik. Here's the point. My intentions don't color my actions. My intentions define my actions. If that action is altruistic, giving, taking care of a woman, it's based on what my intentions are. If my intentions are to get rich, then that action is a self-serving, self-aggrandizing act and is anything but pure. You see, my kavana, my intentions don't color my actions. They define what the actions are. And this is one of the great yesods to all of Avodos Hashem. Let's imagine I have a beautiful voice. And I really sing beautifully. And I get up to the Amr to Davin. And my voice wafts through the shul, carrying with a melody. What's going on in my mind? If my intentions are pious devotion to my Creator, to bring myself to a lofty level, to bring those who listen also to feel the Kedusha, it's beautiful, it's Kaddush, it's pure, it's holy. If my intentions are, I want the world to hear my beautiful voice, let my voice waft out because the great me is singing, then what I'm doing is the opposite of something holy. And ultimately it really boils down to one simple question. Are you serving Hashem or are you serving yourself? And I'll give you a marshal that I think well defines everything that we do in Avodos Hashem. And the Chavaz Lovaz explains, I am an Evid Hashem. And there's very little that's going to get me to change. Imagine I'm an archer. Imagine I hold back the bow and I pull the bow. It's going to be very difficult for the sultan to get me to not to pull back the bow and not to aim the arrow. It's going to be very difficult for him to get me to stop that. But imagine for a minute that as I'm pulling back the bow, someone gently touches the front of the bow and moves me off target. Suddenly, instead of shooting straight on the target, I'm shooting way off. Explains the Chavaz that's the first danger of arrogance. Who am I serving? Hashem or my shame? And Hashem, the creator of heavens and earth, or my name? Am I serving God? Am I serving my self-aggrandizement? I want the world to know about me. And that will destroy any single action. You see, it's very hard for the sun to get me not to serve Hashem. I'm going to learn, I'm going to dominate, I'm going to get stuck, all these things I'm going to do. And He's not going to stop me. But it's very easy for him to just touch that bow and move my direction, move my focus a little bit, and suddenly the same action is no longer pure. I'm no longer aiming at Hashem. I'm no longer serving my Creator. I'm now serving me. And the first reason why arrogance will so quickly take us away from Avodah Hashem is because it poisons every action. It determines every action, whether it's holy or self-serving, whether it's Kaddish or just an an attempt to get my name out there. I'm not going to stop doing what I do, but I can very, very quickly get off track, off hand, and very quickly serving myself as opposed to serving Hashem. And the Orch HaSadikim says a powerful line. He says, All mice of Avodah Hashem has to be to serve Hashem. 
And he explains that this is the quickest way to destroy every mitzvah. He explains, imagine that I have a beautiful pot filled with food, delicious food, beautiful meat and beautiful spices, everything there, but I leave it on the fire too long, it's burnt, it's worthless. One bad midah, one element of arrogance in my actions, and suddenly the whole pot stinks. Why? Because it makes everything impure. I'm not doing it to serve Hashem. I'm not doing it as a dovish bigdusha. I'm doing it as an attempt to get my name out there, to make myself known. And much like that bow, the sun can quickly get the arrow to point at the wrong direction. And now I'm no longer shooting on target, way off. And there's one more line he says. The Rechazadikim says, My sekotan shala a small act of a humble person, is accepted before Hashem, Elef Yodos Yoser, 1,000 times more quickly and effectively, from a big action of the Balgaiva. In plain, simple language, if I have humility in my heart or arrogance in my heart, it'll make a difference of at least 1,000 times in the effectiveness of the act. If I'm an arrogant person, I learn a thousand blot. And that might be the same as a humble person learning one blot. How could it be? A thousand blot. Almost half a shot. Look what I accomplished. Very nice. But what were you doing? Who were you serving? Were you serving your name or Hashem? Were you doing a mitzvah or doing just an attempt to get your name out there? And the first reason why all of our voters Hashem is dependent on humility and arrogance will destroy all of it is because it misdirects, it turns us away. It'll take any mice tov and ruin it, and you could spend your entire life. Erechazadikim says you could spend your entire life working and working, being devoted, devoted to mitzvahs, to learning, to dominating, to stucca, and all of it goes to waste because it's like that fine pot of food that you leave on the fire too long and it burns. It's now useless, it's wasted, it's, it's absolutely destroyed. And that is the first reason why arrogance is so dangerous to all of our Avodos Hashem. But there's a much deeper level to how it destroys Avodos Hashem. And to understand that, let me ask you an interesting question. Are you rich? Are you rich? If you ask that question, and I've done this to countless audiences, countless numbers of people, I never find anyone who says rich. Not rich. I mean, I may be comfortable, I'm doing well, I'm not poor, but rich? I'm certainly not rich. I'm, I'm doing okay. Okay, now, when it comes to wealth, that's okay, and it doesn't bother me whether you feel you're rich or you feel you're not rich. But I have a very important follow-up question. Are you arrogant? Are you arrogant? Do you have arrogance in your heart? Almost everybody you'll ask this question to says, me, arrogant? <laughs> no way. I mean, arrogance. That's people like Paro, Sancherev, Hitler. They were arrogant. Me, I'm a regular guy. And I'd like to share with you that while it may be true that you as an individual are not excessively arrogant, arrogance works a little bit different than it does with money. You see, when it comes to arrogance, there's two choices, either yes or no. You're either humble or you're arrogant. If You see, arrogance and humility are polar opposites. And any amount of arrogance in your heart means there's a lack of humility, and any amount of humility means there's a lack of arrogance. But at the end of the day, if there's any arrogance in your heart, it means you're not humble. And, very interesting enough, if there's any lack of humility in your heart, it means that you're somewhat arrogant. 
And let me explain to you why that matters tremendously. There are certain relationships that are mutually dependent. For instance, to be a father, you have to have a child. You just can't be a father without a child. To be a husband, you have to have a wife. You cannot be a husband if you don't have a wife. To be a boss, you must have an employee. You cannot be a boss without an employee. Those relationships are mutually dependent. One without the other doesn't exist. You cannot be a father without a child. cannot be a husband without a wife. cannot be a boss without an employee. There's another relationship that's also so dependent. Every eved, every servant, needs a master. And every master needs a servant. And the Chavaz of Avaz explains to us the reason why humility is the cornerstone of all Avodah Hashem is because it is the midah of servitude. I am either a servant or I am a master. The only way I could have a master is if I'm a servant. The only way I could be a servant is if I have a master. The two are mutually dependent one on the other. And then he goes on to explain that any amount of arrogance in my heart means I'm not a servant. A servant is dutiful, humble, loyal, and more than anything, submissive. Any arrogance in my heart means that on that level, I'm not an Ever Hashem. You see, arrogance is the meter of adenus, superiority, power, importance. <clears throat> I am someone. Any amount of that in my heart means that I'm not a servant of Hashem. I'm either a servant or a master, but those two are mutually exclusive. And any arrogance in my heart, any lack of humility, and by definition means that that is a lack in my avodas Hashem. You see, I could have a temper and be a servant of Hashem. I could have jealousy and be an Ebed Hashem. But I cannot be a Balgaiva and an Ebed Hashem, because a Balgaiva means there's arrogance in my heart. I have the mid of mastery, superiority, and being above in my heart. Arrogance is the mid of oddness. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I'm the master. What do you mean I have a master? I am a master. No one shall be above me. And the reason why this midah is so difficult is because it's almost an automatic response. You see, the human being by nature doesn't want to have anyone above them. I want to be free. And there was once, I remember many years ago, I saw, I was reading a book about a, a fellow, an English fellow who was on the going to a ranch back in the 1800s. And he goes over to the uh, ranch hand and says, where is your master, in British accent? And the cowboy puts both hands on his hips and says, the son of a gun ain't, ain't been born yet. Meaning, I don't have a master, no one's above me, I'm a free man, independent, I don't have anyone above me. That mida means I don't have a master. You see, if I am an arrogant person, I don't have anyone above me, and the only way I could be an Ever Hashem is if I rid myself of any trace of arrogance. If you'd like to understand why Aaron Cohen had to be this pure Ever Hashem, why he had to do this act every day, because he had to rid himself totally and completely of any trace of arrogance. Because any amount of arrogance means that amount, I'm not an Ever Hashem. Aaron Cohen was to be the lave, the Cohen Guttle is the lave of the nation, and he had to have an absolutely pure lave. Any amount of arrogance meant that there was a lack of Ever Hashem. Hashem gave him this mitzvah. Take out the deshen every day. Do this seemingly demeaning act. Why? Lahashpil, to lower yourself. Remove the arrogance in your heart because a servant requires a master. A master requires a servant. And the center core of all of our avodas Hashem 
is the sense that I am a servant serving my master. But the minute there's arrogance in my heart, I am a master, I have no master, and it is the antithesis of all of Odesh Hashem. And the reason why, immediately, if you're going to be arrogant, you're going to forget Hashem, is because that's exactly the point. Kesev is of Yerbin. You get a lot of money, a lot of gold. Your crops will increase, and suddenly you'll feel arrogant. You'll feel haughty. Immediately you're going to forget Hashem. Why are you going to immediately forget Hashem? Because it's instantaneous. Because I'm adopting the meat of the trade of the Master. I'm important. I'm Chashev. No one is above me. But the definition of an Ever Hashem means Hashem is the master and I'm the servant. You cannot have arrogance in your heart and be a servant to Hashem. It's the antithesis. It's the opposite. The relationship is defined by submissiveness and by being humble, by being an Evid to Hashem. And that actually defines the relationship. And the Chavaz of Allah shares it as a powerful line. He says, one who acquires this midah of humility the way to serve Hashem is very quick to him. It's very easy. You see, the minute there's arrogance in your heart, you can't serve anybody else. I am worthy of being served. I'm not serving any. I have no master. But if you rid the arrogance from your heart, automatically, instantaneously, you want to serve Hashem. It's easy to serve Hashem. You recognize the greatness of Hashem. You recognize the greatness of the world. If this is the creation, what does it tell me about my Creator? And immediately you want to serve Hashem with tremendous zeal and energy. The center core of the relationship of servant to master is humility. Aaron Akoin, as great as he was, there might have been some little trace of arrogance within his heart. Hashem gives the mitzvah every day. Take out the garbage. Take it out and do it. Why? Lahashbil to lower himself because it's the center core. It's the underpinning of all of Otis Hashem. And again, for two reasons. One, because it'll subvert me. It'll be like that march, the archer's muscle, where the bow gets moved off, it moves me, not lishma. But much more fundamentally, it's the essence of the relationship. And for that reason, if a person wants to grow as an Ebed Hashem, if a person wants to grow as a person, you have to get very, very comfortable with humility and learn to discard any arrogance from your heart. And to do that, I have a very simple observation. When we moved into our current house, we had some construction done. And at a certain point, I said to my wife, you know, could you imagine if I had to build this house myself? Let's say I had to build this house. I'd like to share with you, we would not be doing too well. It would be a mighty, leaky roof. I wouldn't work <clears throat> walk on the second floor because, to be honest with you, I really can't uh, build a house. Now, I'd like to share with you that that's not the way it used to be in the United States of America. There used to be a barn raising. And when you would build a barn, you'd gather all your neighbors, all your friends, and together you would raise the barn, you would build the barn, because you did the work yourself. As a matter of fact, around the revolutionary era in the United States of America, you did basically everything yourself. You grew your own wheat. You, that means you had to know how to plant, how to sow, how to harvest, how to grind it. You sewed your own clothing. The vast majority of people who lived in the United States of America around the time of Thomas Jefferson sewed their own clothing. And I want you to understand what that meant. They picked cotton from the field, carded it, twisted it into thread, set up a loom, and wove the material. A suit of clothing took a year. Now let's say I decided I want to um, sew my own suit. 
uh-uh, I would not do too well. I don't even know how a loom works. But here's a simpler observation. I drive a car. I don't know how to form the metal. <clears throat> I don't know how to get the metal from the ground. I don't know how to purify it. I don't know how to make a GPS. I don't know how to write the software. Everything that I do throughout my day, all day, every day, I am dependent on others. The house that I live in, the sidewalks that I walk in, the buildings that I occupy, the clothing I wear, the food I eat, everything that I do, I am absolutely dependent on other people. I am not independent. And that question is very, very important to focus on. And the simple recognition that I am dependent. You see, the media of arrogance comes from a sense of independence. I don't need anyone. That sense is utterly, completely false. Especially in the world that we live in, I am dependent for everything on other people. The food that I eat, the clothing I wear, the car that I drive, everything. I can do almost nothing myself. If I had to plant the wheat in the ground, I would go hungry mighty, mighty quickly. And that is a very, very big step forward. Because once I recognize that I'm dependent on other people, then I could rid myself of the sense of independence, power. You see, the 18-year-old kid is mighty. He's powerful. He's independent. He doesn't need anybody. But that's an illusion. It's false. We human beings require tremendous help. We are tremendously dependent on others. And once I recognize that, I can recognize the ultimate dependence, my dependence on my Creator. You see, the Mida of Adonis, the Mida of arrogance, doesn't want to allow me to have a sense of dependence. I want to be independent. I want to be my own man. I want to be powerful and chashuv. And the cure to it is a simple recognition that I am not independent. I'm very, very dependent. And more than that, there's very little that I can control. Here, would you like a simple observation? If you're not married and you decide to get married, how easy is it to get married? Well, hopefully you find the right one. But then you have to know, and she has to agree, and you have to agree. Ask a single how easy it is to get married. Okay, what if you are married? I'm married, I don't got to worry about that. Yeah, ask a person who's married how easy it is to have a good marriage. Shalom bias, how simple it is. Uh, okay, let's say you're married and your marriage is good. What about earning a parnasa, earning a living? I'm talented, I'm capable, I can earn a living. Until I lose my job or my business crashes or the market changes, and suddenly I realize that earning a living is not so simple. But what about being a parent? Have you ever tried to convince your child to do something they don't want to do? And that's if they're a two-year-old. Forget about it if they're an 18-year-old. And when you quickly recognize that I am not powerful, independent, I am not in charge, you quickly are able to shed this mead of arrogance. I'm very, very dependent on many other people. And I'm not in control. I can't control situations. I can't control my destiny. I can't control the future. I cannot control whether I exist or not. If you would like to learn a little Musr, I'll share with you a powerful, powerful Musr exercise. Tonight, as you lay your head on the pillow, and right before you put your head down, I want you to say these words. I, I hereby will it to be that tomorrow morning I shall open my eyes. Say the words. I hereby will it to be that tomorrow morning I shall open my eyes. 
And as you say those words, I hope you'll realize the folly of them, because it is not within my control. I hope so. When I say I'm mapil, I ask Hashem to please return me back to my current existence tomorrow morning, but it's not within my control. When I close my eyes and my neshama goes up to Shemayim, whether it comes back down or not is not within my capacity to define, to determine. I'm not in charge of that. What that means in plain, simple language is whether I exist or not is not even in my control. Forget my parnasa, forget my children, forget my shalom bias, forget the house I live in. Whether I exist or I don't exist is not in my control. When I recognize that, I quickly realize how dependent I am. And I think the great lesson to learn from Aaron Cohen is that we have to shed all arrogance from our heart because any arrogance no more is delusional, it's wrong, it's not correct, it's taking credit for things that I don't deserve credit for, but more than anything, it destroys my entire relationship with Hashem. It's certainly the cause of all bad midos. It certainly is going to cause me to aim at the wrong target. I want the world to know my name instead of concentrating on serving Hashem. But the biggest problem with it is that the relationship of me to my Creator is servant to Master. And any amount of arrogance in my heart means that I'm destroying that relationship. Because a master doesn't have a master. The midah of arrogance is the midah of adnus, of mastery. I'm in charge, I'm independent, I'm powerful. And that destroys the relationship. Aaron that needed a pure heart, so there had to be no shemets, no arrogance whatsoever. And for that reason, daily he had to do this act. And I think that's a tremendous lesson to learn from Aaron Cohen that it is the core, center, pivot of all our avodos Hashem. But I think there's a second lesson to learn from Aaron, and that is that we need external actions. You see, Hashem told him daily, in the morning, take the deshen, remove the ashes, do this, excuse my expression, demeaning act, almost if you could say, take out the garbage. You can't say those words because it's the Dovashim Bagdusha, but the point being, it's an act that definitely is somewhat demeaning. Explains Ms. Silasharim, the only way to rid yourself of arrogance is Bapula Sachitsonos with external actions that are demeaning. Because you see, the essence of me, big, mighty, important me, has a natural sense of wanting to be boastful, proud, tevaleva odum. The nature of man is to be proud and overbearing. And because I have this neshama within me, and the only way I can fight it is with external actions. And learning to be humble is a lifetime mission, but you need external actions, and only by using those external actions can you actually learn humility? And let me give you some examples that are very, very eye-opening. I, a number of years ago, I had to get an x-ray. I had some trouble with my knees. And the technician asked me to get on all fours on the table because they, she wanted to get the angle on the knee in a particular way. And I'm sitting there on all fours, realizing this is a very undignified position, wearing a bare gown, sort of trying to not be exposed and standing like a dog, excuse my expression, on the table, And I said to myself, that is a beautiful opportunity because it is very, very demeaning. Now, either I could just go through it or use it as a huge growth opportunity. If you take a picture in your mind's eye of that moment and utilize it as a moment of gaining humility, recognizing I'm not in charge, recognizing I'm not all-powerful, I am but a humble creator of my creator. I am but a humble creation. 
I'm not the creator. I'm but a humble servant. When you take a picture in your mind's eye and you realize that, you're able to use that as a powerful, powerful action. And if you're careful, you're able to find them throughout life. Anytime you're asked to do a demeaning act, and it can be anything from taking out the garbage or whatever it may be, run for it, grab it. Why? Because that's an opportunity to grow, to change the essence of yourself. When you're cleaning up after your kids, many times you realize it's rather, rather beneath my dignity. Here I am on the floor. Uh Uh-uh. That's the greatest opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to gain control over myself. It's an opportunity to lower myself. But I have to revel in it. I have to recognize the beauty of the moment. And when you realize it, what happens is you begin growing, and that opportunity is capitalized on, and you become a much greater person. Whenever you have the opportunity to act beneath your dignity, run for it. Don't just run for it. Grab hold of it. And because if you grab hold of it and you use it, it's an opportunity to grow. But this is the thoughts that should go through your mind. Hashem is my creator, and I am the creation. I am but a humble, simple servant of my creator. I'm not powerful. I'm not independent. I'm not mighty. I cannot control my destiny. I'm but a humble servant of my creator. If you think those thoughts as you're doing those actions, that action becomes a powerful life lesson, becomes a powerful growth tool. And if you use them again and again, eventually you get rid of the arrogance, you become more humble, and you become much more of an Ebed Hashem. I think that is the lesson to learn from Aaron Cohen. Number one, arrogance and Avodah Hashem are contradictory. Aaron had to get rid of it totally. Why? Because he was a lave the lave of the nation, and the coin got a lot to be pure, he had to get rid of any arrogance, and he needed daily actions, daily actions. Why? Because only by doing it day after day, constantly, can one really rid himself of the sense of arrogance, gain humility, and become an Ebed Hashem. But I'd like to share with you that there is one very, very powerful way to gain humility and rid yourself of arrogance, and ironically, when you appreciate it, It's so simple, so accessible, and so available. Let me share with you what I mean. Imagine that I need money. Imagine things are rough. I can't pay my kids' tuition. So after dominating one day by chakras, I clop on the beam and say, Robosai, I never do this, and certainly I don't want to do this, but I got to tell you, I'm having trouble making tuition payments to my kids. Could I please ask you all to help me out? Okay, and then I go from table to table. One guy gives me a $5 bill, another guy, oh, 20 thank you. Another guy pulls out $100, oh, thank you so much, it's very generous. And I go from person to person. Okay, and I collect enough money to pay what I need, and I'm good to go. Could you imagine how embarrassed I'd be? Oh, my goodness, to have to hold out my hand, collecting a $5, $2 bill, $1 bill, 100 thank you so much. The embarrassment would be mamish EF Shilashire. I can't even imagine the embarrassment. Okay, here is a very interesting observation. What is davening? Davening begins with a series of recognizing Hashem's greatness, the brachas, appreciating Hashem, and Baruch Shama explaining to myself the greatness of Hashem, Baruch Hu explaining the greatness of Hashem Shemayim, and then begins Shemona Esrei. Shemona Esrei, after I recognize Hashem, is a series of requests. It's a series of requests that begins with asking Hashem for das, for understanding, then asking Hashem to allow me to learn, then asking Hashem for forgiveness, then asking Hashem for success, asking Hashem for health, asking Hashem for parnasa, asking Hashem for every one of my needs. Do you understand what Shemona Esrei is? 
It's a series of bakushas, asking and asking and asking. So why aren't I embarrassed? If I had to go around, <coughs> clap on the beam and go around with my hand out, I'd be hugely embarrassed. Why aren't I embarrassed in front of my Creator? The answer is, unfortunately, it's not real. But if you really understand what you're doing, and I say these words, Baruch Aleinu, Bless us, Hashem. My parnos is not within my capacity to control. I have a successful business. I have lots of money in the bank. Baloney. My parnos is not up to me. I'm utterly, completely dependent on my Creator. But every one of those bakushas, when you make it, if you personalize it, if you ask in English for that particular request in the middle of that bracha, suddenly becomes real. And suddenly becomes very, very difficult to be arrogant. You see, I really am not that powerful. For my very existence, I have to ask Hashem to continue. For my health, I have to beg, beseech, implore Hashem for help. For success in any area, certainly in learning, certainly in Yerushalayim, I have to beg and beg and beg. For Shalom Bayes, I have to beg. For everything that I need, I have to beseech my Creator for help. What's the message? I'm not powerful. I'm not strong and independent. I am highly, highly, completely dependent on my Creator. And that is the greatest exercise in growth. Obviously, Shemona Esrei is hugely powerful because it allows me to recognize my Creator. But as a Musr exercise, it is the greatest exercise in humility, in finally getting it, cutting through the haze, cutting through the static, and recognizing I am not independent. I didn't make this world, and I don't control this world. I don't control my destiny. And when I say those words and I beg and I beseech and I implore Hashem, please, I recognize I am but a small human being dependent on my Creator, and I acquire that greatest gift given to man, the gift called humility. Because once there's humility in my heart, number one, I'm a nice guy. I'm easy to get along with. I'm not boastful, arrogant, and tough. But number two, I'm an Ebed Hashem. I begin serving my Creator with purity of heart, when I do this action, it's not for the world to hear my name. It's to serve my Creator. But more than anything, it defines the very creation. And as the Aruch HaSadikim says, one act of a humble man is a thousand times more accepted in front of Hashem than an arrogant man. Why? Because, number one, he's serving his Creator. And number two, look at the relationship. He really is an Eved Hashem. And I think Aaron Cohen is a tremendous lesson. As great as Aaron Cohen was, and he was great beyond anything we could imagine, he still needed a daily activity. Why? Because arrogance is the absolute antithesis of Avodah Hashem, and there must be humility in your heart. But humility is a difficult trait to acquire. And the way you acquire it, one way is by daily doing demeaning acts. And as you're doing the demeaning act, revel in it. Appreciate the moment. Appreciate Hashem gave you a gift to lower yourself so you can grow, so you can accomplish, so you can become the truly great person that you can be. And I think this is a very, very important concept to understand. The cornerstone of all of Otis Hashem is humility. That's why Aaron Cohen had to work on it. My intentions don't color my actions. They define it. Whether I'm serving Hashem or serving my shame, that's based on exactly that, and that's the archer's muscle. If I'm pulling back that bow, the sun's not going to get me to stop but he could easily touch the front of the bow and make sure that I point the wrong way. And if you have any sense of arrogance in your heart, that means there's a lack of avodos Hashem. And I want to just finish with one last observation. Yehoshua Siddiquim says this very clearly. 
this person who has arrogance in his heart, even though he's filled with Torah, he'll lose everything through this one bad midah. You could spend your life, you could spend 80 years davening, learning, giving stucca, doing things to the klal, being really devoted. And anyone who sees you says, wow, what an Eved Hashem. But if there's arrogance in your heart, you're wasting it all. And he explains why. Because again, it's like that barrel. You have a barrel, a beautiful barrel of wine, but there's a hole in it. Everything goes out that hole. Everything goes out the hole of arrogance. Because you're not serving Hashem, and you're serving yourself. You're not an Eved Hashem, you're an Eved of yourself. And it's one of the most important midos to work on, but one of the most difficult ones. The only one we can really, way we could acquire it is by using external actions, and by using daily external actions to lower ourselves, we're able to understand our relationship. The greatest exercise, ultimately, I believe, is dominating. When I dominate, I recognize I am dependent. I'm not independent, I'm dependent. The more I recognize that, the more I grow, the closer I get to Hashem, and ultimately, the greater as a human being I become.